Welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. We are week 12. Uh, there's a bit of a pep in the step of Bill's Mafia uh, because we have an actual Bill's victory. And not like a, you know, Bill's over Tampa Bay victory where you're like, yeah, I guess they won. Or a Bill's over Giants victory where you're like, Eesh. And deserved to win, but they got one. Oh, this was like a real full-blown Bills dominating the opponent. Looked like a team that could compete for postseason, you know, excellence. Um, Josh Allen was having a blasty out there. First time I think we've seen that uh, in a long, long time since the Dolphins game even. Um, yeah, a lot of what we thought was wrong with the offense seemed to have been at least marginally and at least hopefully in a, in a small sample size cured. Um, the defense was dominant as ever, uh, which was wonderful to see. It's not hard against this, you know, the Jets offense to be dominant, but they were. Uh, and, you know, the Bills cruised to a 32-6 to victory. I'm feeling really good. Um, Dan, where are you at? I'm happy that we have purged the curse that is Zach Wilson upon this Buffalo <laughs> Bills house. Um, it was nice to see, especially after that opening week game, in such wonky, weird, self-destructive fashion, come out and play, for the most part, a relatively clean game on both sides of the ball. And while there's a lot to digest on the offensive side of the ball, JJ, I was also impressed with the defensive effort. And I understand we're grading on a curve because the New York Jets do not have a good offense. And Zach Wilson, the aforementioned QB that has haunted our dreams for the past three three and a half games, um, has been benched. But the Buffalo Bills defense did a great job of actually turning the ball over. And it was amazing to see Razul Douglas, our trade deadline pickup, who is now fully immersed in the playbook, really find out ways to exploit this McDermott defensive scheme to his to his strengths. Um, def- AFC Defensive Player of the Week, two picks and a fumble. To me, there's a lot to talk about about the Bills offense, offensive side of the game. But it's hard not to feel hopeful with Razul Douglas also picking up some production slack that the injuries on defense left behind. So all around some really good, really good uh, tidbits to discuss here. And I mean, we could start there if you want to start Bills D versus Jets O. Um, I think it's a, that's a good place to start. And kind of we can round out with the offense. Um, and with a brief aside, I think too something that had been missing for a long time was um, all three phases of the football team had outstanding showings. I think that, you know, um, speaking of kind of exercising demons, the uh, the Jets player who returned the punt for a touchdown to win the game in overtime week one was the player also who coughed up the fumble on the very first play of the game. Gibson, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Gibson gives one up to uh, Reggie Gilliam and Quentin Q. Morris. Um, Reggie Gilliam's hit was the kind of old school NFL football hit that you don't see often without, you know, laundry littering the field, but he, it was clean. He was strong and popped that ball out to, to give the ball, the bills, um, the ball right in the uh, Jets territory. And, you know, we can talk about offense in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, starting on the defensive side of the ball, what we saw was the defensive line was dominant. Uh, these bills defense, even with injuries, even with some things going on the past few weeks, have looked to turn a corner in terms of stopping the run. They're less leaky um, in terms of yards per carry. They're doing quite a bit more of reestablishing the line of scrimmage, you know, in the backfield. And I've liked what I've seen also from Terrell Dodson. I think that, you know, we were rightly wrong or we were rightly 
um, critical of him early in the season and even last year in, you know, relief of uh, Tremaine Edmonds at times. But Terrell Dodson looks to be a player who's who's come into his own to understand what he does best and how to do it best. Even looked to be pretty solid in coverage at times when he's called on it. And I think it's probably partially Terrell Dodson having more snaps and getting in the groove of games. And then also, I think it's probably Sean McDermott a little bit protecting his player from the thing, the things he knows he'll be weak at. Not putting Terrell Dodson one-on-one with Brees Hall in coverage underneath, but instead having Terrell, um, uh, Terrell Bernard take that assignment and, ha- and Dodson, you know, having a different route, you know, a different rule in, in the zone or something like that. So I really like the Bills' defense. I think that Ed Oliver continues to be a wrecking ball. I think that he... You know, he doesn't show up on the stat sheet every week, but every week he shows up with effort and he proves that he cannot be contained one-on-one on that line. He he must be um, doubled to to not you know, have him all up in the kitchen. Uh, he got his sixth stat- sack of the season, which is a career high, and it earned him $250,000. If he gets two more this season, he gets a bonus of $500,000 in his contract. So, betting Only- on himself. If only that had happened last season, I would have won our bourbon bet. Because what did I say? I said Oliver was going <laughs> to yeah. lead the team in sacks. Yes, he did. He still won't this year because of yeah. Leonard Floyd, who also had a monster game Man against on fire. the Jets. Unreal. And one of the, you you could argue maybe one of the best being free agent signings that we've yeah. seen in, in recent memory. I don't think there is a way to keep Leonard Floyd on this roster. And we can, we'll talk about that in the offseason, especially with the season he's He's probably going to get a, you know, and he's older in his career, but he's probably show, with the showing he's putting together this year with the Bills, he's probably going to get like a two to three year, you know, 20 plus mil per year deal. Uh, he's coming out. Yeah. He's as a, as a, even if it's just designated pass rusher snaps, kind of how the Bills use him because he's not been an every down defender, but when he's in, it's, it's amazing. Um, and so. Yeah, I think the the defense looked good. The the front, as I mentioned, was was solid. And this, you know, that's to be taken a little bit with a grain of salt. They were playing against probably four of five Jets starters who had no business being on an NFL field um, because they, you know, they're down to their third or fourth option at right tackle. Um, they had to move a guard to a full time tackle position on the on the line. It was, I think, uh, their their Dwayne was it Dwayne Brown got injured in the first first yeah. quarter yeah yeah so they lost one of their tackles in the very first quarter and had to shuffle again and that was the seventh or eight different lineup that they played with this season and so i can't imagine i mean i think zach wilson is a terrible quarterback for some reason he had the bill's number for two of three meetings um until this one now it's two of four but um but he did you know he was running for his life brought down what six times five and a half six times Six total sacks Six for times. the Bills that afternoon. And yeah. 11 separate other hits. So 17 times he was, you know. Brutalized was back Put there. on the Absolutely. ground either for a sack or or just for, you know, being beat up. So um, I, th- I think that that was something to be said. And that's not going to be the case. We'll get into the preview for the Eagles. But that's not going to be the case this week. The Eagles' interior offensive line is probably one of the best in the in the entire league. Their tackles are somewhat gettable. But uh, but yeah, this Jets Jets offensive line is is really really bad. Yeah, and it I mean it it showed. But here's the thing about the Bills. Yeah, there's at as we pod, they are tied for second in the league in total sacks. 
but it has felt like a lot of those games have come in spurts and fits. And we've seen this defensive line really struggle against inferior offensive lines at times. I'm thinking back to the Giants game is a really good example. Um, they had ended up having four sacks that game, but it didn't feel like they were impacting the game in many other ways. So the fact that they were able to turn it up and I think finally turn it up against lower level competition, which again, this is something that both sides of the ball have struggled with through the Bills pretty consistently this season to show up for a game for a, a must win game against a team that is very beatable and to show out with that kind of effort on your, on your home turf after a week of turmoil after firing Ken Dorsey, I think was as much a professional on the field statement as it was an emotional statement for where this team is right now. Um, you had mentioned the whole team looked like they're having fun again. I do. I, I don't, I don't know how much of that that does or doesn't ha have to do with Ken Dorsey. No one know, no one is going to know, but what's really clear is these bills had a coming, coming home moment when they realized time was running out and they needed to refine the brand of football that this team has been known to play in the McDermott era since 2017. And I think they found it against a, Again, listen, a, a deficient offense, but a really good defense and a team that is still in the playoff hunt. So I think it was an important statement for the Bills to make. A divisional opponent, a conference opponent, and a dominating win in all three phases of the game was something that they for sure needed. Um, you know, JJ, the, we are in an interesting point with this Buffalo Bills defense because this is the unit we're going to roll out there. And this unit by average age is still one of the oldest in the league. We have quite a few games left, and if this team makes it to the to the postseason, um, there's going to be more more tread on. There's going to be less tread on these tires. Is the effort that we saw from the Jets uh, against the Jets on Sunday, in your mind, sustainable for the long haul? And we're gonna we're not going to go into full pregame territory here, but I'm keeping it at top of mind. We've got to play an Eagles defense that loves to pound the ball and be physical. Uh, Dallas Cowboys offense that is really kind of finding its way offensively with Dak airing it out, but finding more of a uh, run game as well. Um, even though that team just throws at absurd metrics, all Dallas wants to do is bomb. Um, you've got the, the LA Chargers coming up where their defense is a mess, but it's still Justin Herbert. It, while there were great flashes against an inferior offense, were there things that you saw about this defensive effort? that you think are sustainable down the road for this team as they try to make a playoff run? I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think the one thing that would be sustainable is that, thankfully, knocking on wood for everybody's benefit, um, the offense has, has maintained their health. And I think that this is kind of one of the, you know, the best defense is a good offense type analogies is that the defense's greatest skill is their defensive front, that line. And the line can pin its ears back if a, if a team becomes one-dimensional. If a team feels like they have to pass the ball, it gives the, the defense a great fit. Because I think that um, on the front level, I'm confident in this this line. Because I don't think it's the old, you know, it's it's not the oldest part of the defense. I think that the thing you worry about is the secondary. The CBs keep going down in, in bunches. I think that Rasul Douglas has stabilized things a little bit. But he has not, you know, he hasn't had a career that, where he's been like Mr. Reliable either. So you worry a little bit about, um, he has some injury history. So, um, it's really the kind of thing where if the defensive line can stay healthy and the offense can 
maintain, you know, somewhat, you know, of, of this momentum of keeping games, you know, out of reach for the other team, one or two scores up all the time. I think that that's going to be the trick for an, an aging defense, admittedly, to maintain um, pressure and to make, you know, make turnovers, that sort of thing. Because I think that's what it is. I think that you saw, you know, in six weeks, the Bills hadn't really led by more than one score at any time in any game. And once they did, again, it's Wilson, it's Timble. But they were able to put the opponents in a position where the opponents felt like they had to make something happen. They couldn't play conservative. They couldn't, you know, play field position. And those those things are going to be the savior for this defense. As, as dinged up as they are, as slow as they are at times, um, and then as old as they are. I do, I do think they have the capacity, but I think it all hinges on the offense, if that makes sense. You know, I think the defense has the scheme, it has the bodies to do it, but they have to play on the terms that are set by the offense. If they play on the opponent's terms, they're going to be failing us. Just like we saw in all the metrics while the offense was flailing, the defense looked to be suffering and not, not a, an elite defense by any measure because they had to play a game that they were built for. I agree, and I think you are, you're getting to the, the aspect of complimentary football that I hoped you would. I think, I see, and I see you smiling. Um, I think complimentary football as McDermott has tried to define has been something to the effect of the offense needs to slow down its pace because our defense can't be on the field all the time, which is a, a true story. We have talked about this multiple times on the pod. I think during, in, during this hellacious stretch, that this team is going to face playing the Eagles next, then the Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins. They're going to need to redefine that term of complimentary football. And I agree the offense is going to have to pour points on to keep pressure on opposing teams to really limit what their playbook, what they can roll out from their playbook. It is hard to stay committed to the run if you're an L.A. Chargers team. Um, or if you're a Philadelphia Eagles team, if you're down 14 or 17 points, which is exactly the type of pressure that this Buffalo Bills offense needs to consistently apply. So complimentary football, I think, redefined as the path going forward, because, again, I agree with you. There are great things from this defense, albeit against a mediocre opponent and a subpar QB. But there are things here that I, I question their sustainability in the long run as well. Um you got to hope this team stays healthy, but it seems every week someone else is going down. And I love the adjustment of Poyer in the box. And you're right. They have done a great job of really eating up opposing teams' run games, although this weekend will be a really big test for them against the Eagles. Um, sneakily, I think the Chiefs might be too, but we can talk about that during the bye week. But they've done a really good job with it, but the box, it just, it just still looks really light. And you're seeing more competent offenses, because again, the Jets are not one, when the Bills are bringing that light box or that dime look, specifically attack the pieces on the field, be it Terrell Dotson, be it Dane Jackson, uh, be it Rapp, deep down the field where he has really struggled in coverage, it gives more efficient and more effective offenses a better opportunity to attack those weak spots on the defense. I think... I think there was a lot to like from this defensive effort against the Jets, but I think we've got to grade it on a curve because we're not always going to be playing Zach Wilson moving forward. Well, and in fact, we're not going to be playing anybody who's even near Zach Wilson the rest of the way. Mac Jones, if he starts, Bailey Zappi. I, 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 I think they're me. both a little better than Zach Wilson. 
Yeah, he's bad. Yeah. He's he's bad. And I think that you're I, skewed. You're skewed a little bit by the good games he had against the Bills, versus well, yeah. everyone else. He he looks, you know, far worse than Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. But, but you're what, and what on, you're saying is like, yeah. Who do you know who the only quarterback in the league is to beat the Philadelphia Eagles this season? It's I know, freaking Zach, Zach Wilson. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. That's the mystery of Zach Wilson. Like, I don't think this guy is a starting NFL quarterback, but he has this weird kind of like superpower of showing up as this amazing game manager, not an elite quarterback by any measure, but he shows up this amazing, flawless game manager at different times against elite opponents. And then against the Giants and other teams that are that are less than he pukes all over himself and does that drop back 40 yards and fumble it play. I know he's his career arc has been so bizarre, so so bizarre at this point. But I cut you off. You were making a point there, and I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, the only point was that you know, yes, we're playing Zach Jones in or Zach Wilson. In fact, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi is the only game left on the schedule with a non-elite quarterback, um, and that is pretty terrifying. It definitely is, and I think it's a good segue, JJ, to talk about what the real defense of this Bills team needs to be which is a, a, a well-prepared and effective offense. Um, what did you think about the, the ringing in of the Brady era in Buffalo? Yeah, so if I had to, to show a pie chart of the reason I think that the Buffalo Bills offense looked as good as it, as it, as it did, I would probably credit Joe Brady, his calling of the game, his sequencing of plays, his building of concepts with like a 60% of that pie chart. I think that I would put 20% of the pie chart on Josh Allen, and then I'd give the remaining 20%, I'd split it between the running back room and the offensive line, 10 each. Because really what I what we saw was the offensive players executed better. I think the shakeup of firing of Ken Dorsey snapped some of those guys into reality to realize they needed to prepare better. They needed to perform on the field better and not make you know timely mistakes. Um, and so I think that just the shuffle alone was able to convince some of them of how serious, you know, kind of dragging their um, their, you know, baggage through the week and not preparing like they used to um, was really affecting the team. And then I think, like I said, 60 percent was the way that Joe Brady called the game. I mean, we saw, you know, continued things uh, that were going on with Dorsey with, you know, a lack of of use of Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis was out there as a run blocker the whole, whole game. Not targeted, no cat, no catches, no cards. Um, Stefan Diggs, the big the big difference is Stefan Diggs became a role player on the offense instead of the only person you're forcing the ball to. The um the number of option routes. We talked about how, you know, during Dorsey's um leadership as the OC, there'd be so many plays where Josh Allen's expected to come out in a two by two set shotgun and they do one of six different route combinations with the four receivers out in the field. And he his only alternative to hitting somebody who beats their man is um, or finds a soft spot in the zone is to dump it off underneath to um, James Cook, who literally would just, you know, fake, if he did a uh, play action handoff, he'd fake the handoff, run through the line, turn around and just wait for the quarterback. Um, and then, you know, it, it was kind of it was vanilla. It was predictable. What we saw in Joe Brady was that he had he schemed guys open. And this is what we've talked about time and time again of what was missing from the Bills offense is that, yeah, there might have options for Josh Allen, but it required him to see every receiver at the exact right moment that they were breaking open um, in order to make the right decision and then get the ball out on time and in pace. 
couldn't happen against most of the defenses the Bills played. Some some pressure looks ha- have messed that up. Some teams learned that they could blitz him if they threw him off the reads. He was only able to read one or two receivers. It was almost always an incomplete pl- pass or an interception. And so what I saw from Joe Brady was he you know, maintained mostly five-man protections uh, with his offensive line, maybe a sixth guy. He didn't do any of the stuff where um, Dorsey was keeping more people in the box protecting Josh Allen than out on routes, which makes it easier to cover. Um, and he was leaning heavily on passes to running backs, which as a, for the person who was the OC at a, at a team with uh, Christian McCaffrey and really no other talent, I understand that completely. You, you establish an identity in a situation like that, and we saw it come through with both James Cook and Ty Johnson having a really excellent day as receivers, as part of the game plan, because, you know, it's a simple concept. It's curious that this hasn't ever been, you know, in Dorsey's time, it wasn't a a focus is let's actually send a running back on a route against what we know is a good matchup. Let's use motion a little bit to pre-designate where they're going to be versus where the person that's responsible for covering them is going to be to give natural separation and then hit them in stride and see what they do underneath. That happened over and over. The Jets' defense, it, it's, it meant that the offensive game plan was to absolutely attack the Jets where they were weak. Where they were weak is kind of, they have slower linebackers and they have excellent pass rush. If you can get the ball out fast to a running back against subpar coverage, they are going to succeed. They didn't have super long developing routes. That, that pass to Khalil Shakur was like the longest developing route of the game. Um, there was a number of underneath routes that were planned, and there was a lot of plans to to scheme guys open to make sure that they were pulling focus of those linebackers and putting them in conflict um, to to really kind of open up routes to Kincaid. They use the middle of the field. You you hit this button so hard for weeks. The greatest the hits. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest. They hits. abandoned the middle of the field, so you must have been so happy. I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And again, I the Jets' defense is good. And I think we should acknowledge they're good. And the, this Bills offense has struggled against them for what feels like going on three seasons now. What I liked the most about Brady and what he schemed up was that he was relentless in attacking the defense where it was weak. You mentioned a lot of the a lot of the um, pass routes to running backs, which I think was exceptionally important in this. But it also... Going back a couple of pods, we talked about the need of the Bills to find their Travis ETM, their workhorse. And we have been saying over and over again, James Cook needs 20 or more touches a game in order to really affect the game. Well, that's exactly what he got. James Cook got 17 rushes, three receptions, and also Josh Allen was able to spread the, spread the ball around to seven different receivers, another recipe we know for success. And it's interesting because the Buffalo Bills, for the first time in seven weeks, actually outrushed themselves. When you include Josh Allen's designed rush attempts, they had 38 rushing attempts total to 32 pass attempts. So the balance was skewed, but the moments that they cho- but that you were using the run in the way that we said they needed to, which was attack these light boxes to set up the passing game and get some really favorable matchups for some of these pass catchers. Um... The Jets clearly came in, keyed on Gabe Davis, which we had seen on film they had done for the past few games, even going back as far as a year, uh, two years ago to the first game they played week nine in 2022 against the Jets, where Davis was being bracketed. 
This Jets defense is obsessed with shutting down opposing teams' wide receivers, and they put so much emphasis on it. Throughout the course of the game, Brady just schemed up to take the stuff that they were leaving behind because it's a it's a resource limited, uh, it's a resource limited scheme. Anytime you're going to play an opposing defense, so if they're really good at locking down one aspect of the field, you know they're leaving another one open. And the frustration we had with Dorsey, and he would stubbornly attack the thing that the that the opposing team wanted him to, right? Where Brady was like, no, if you're going to lock down our outside, I'm going to use the middle of the, I'm going to spread the ball out to the middle of the field. I'm going to attack there where your um, DBs and your linebackers don't have the boundary as kind of an extra defender, and we're going to make you defend the area you're most uncomfortable. And he was relentless with it over and over and over again. And that commitment to attacking an opposing team's weaknesses for the first time in what felt like a, an eon, it's felt like the Buffalo Bills, rather than having the pace of play dictated to them, were dictating the pace of play with this high-powered offense. Well, and I think that, you know, I mentioned a 10% share of the of the productivity pie goes to the offensive line. That's not to say they were without flaws. I think that there was a lot of pressure you saw on Josh Allen on passing downs, specifically why they were trying to scheme things open quick and underneath. Um, and then on top of that, uh, Osiris Torrance is becoming a problem in pass pro. He looked pretty solid on a lot of running snaps, but I think he's hit a bit of a rookie, rookie wall. We saw this with Spencer Brown. We saw this with even going all the way back to Deion Dawkins rookie year starts to tail off after about 10 games because, you know, the season is so much longer in the NFL. Um, and so hopefully he's, he has a chance to get rested up and ready for the stretch run uh, at the bye. But I think that, yeah, you saw, you also saw things that we've been talking about with, with this, this team and that, yeah, they hit the middle of the field. They basically said, okay, take our, our wide receivers away. That's your and they leaned into it. I think that's the other thing. That's the big difference between Ken Dorsey and, and Joe Brady is Correct. he leaned into what he thought that he anticipated what the defense was going to try to do to them. And he made that that avenue of attack their weakness. So like they adver yeah. the Jets advertise it, right? They are not a team that disguises pre-snap a whole lot. They pretty much run out the defense they're going to play and the defense telegraphs what they're going to do the wide receivers. And it was so infuriating to watch Dorsey constantly tell yeah. Helen to throw into the teeth of that yes. scheme. But into Brady exactly didn't. Exactly what they want. Yeah, exactly what they want you to do. Well, and, and even Salah after the game. And this was the most points scored on this Jets team since two se in two seasons. Since 2021. Yeah, since 2021. So in two seasons, this is the most points any one offense has scored against them. And the only two wide receivers who have a touchdown on the Jets this season are Stefan Diggs in week one and Khalil Shakur um, in, you know, this week 11. And so with that going on, um, you know, they, they tell you what they're going to do and then they do it. And Ken Dorsey would just stubbornly last year and this year the, in the first meeting say, nope, we're going to beat you with the thing we're good at, which is our, our outside wide receiver. Stefan Diggs, get out there and run directly into double coverage. Josh Allen, throw an interception to him. And so <laughs> basically it was just, oh, it was so frustrating. But it was great to see Joe Brady say, no, okay, you do that. Do whatever you want. We have the weapons. And I think that's that's been so much of the frustration and so much of the reason Bill's Mafia has, has been calling for the Dorsey change is that we see this team with a stacked offense with all these weapons, and then we just stubbornly try to do one thing over and over, and it gets shut down. And, you know, it looked it looked good. I think, you know, Josh Allen got Eric. He looked like he was having a good time. He seemed rejuvenated and, you know, Again, who knows how much of the change that is. 
if that was just him coming awake because he's like, oh crap, I just got my friend fired, right? Like I need to play better. Then that's fine. If that's what it took, that just means that McDermott pulled the lever he needed to pull um, in order to get things fixed. Yeah, it was, um, it was all around again, a win for the, the Twitter X threads, uh, coach couches or, uh, couch coaches rather. Um, and again, I, 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 that sounds kind of like pejorative and derogatory fans are a lot smarter than we used to be. We've got a lot more tools at our disposal for analyzing the games. I mean, we're, we're a couple of amateurs that watch film and break down stat stat packages and stuff like that to try to better understand the game. And you saw it in Pittsburgh as well with the firing of Matt Canada. A lot of these things, they come off and they feel like fan service. And the firing of Dorsey probably felt that way, especially with the the eruption of analytics nerds that were like, but Dorsey is leading one of the third most efficient offenses in the league, right? And I, those are my people. I vibe with those people. But... If you are only looking at it from the bird's eye view and not seeing the play to play lack of detail, the play to play lack of creativity, then no, if you're just looking at the numbers, you wouldn't understand why moving on from Dorsey was the move that needed to happen. And again, you and I, we didn't justify the firing. We didn't try to call it right or wrong on the last pod. And we also have to keep in mind not to overreact. This is only one week against a team, again, that has a good defense but it wins on talent more than scheme. And Brady was able to exploit that. Coming up in Philly, while the defensive metrics on that unit are not as good as they are with the Jets in a lot of regard, that is a team that plays multiple fronts. And those are the types of defenses, a la Steve Spagnolo that have really affected Josh um, and affected the way he plays the game. So while the Jets were a great test from a really talented defensive unit, I think the Eagles are really going to kind of put to the test where Brady is at schematically with this team heading into the bye. Because that that Eagles defense, while vulnerable in certain areas, they can do a lot of wacky, crazy stuff that can confuse opposing QBs, except Zach Wilson, because Zach Wilson can cut through all that when he plays the Eagles. But outside of Zach Wilson, yeah. it's confused nine other quarterbacks that they've played this year. Well, and I, and I think that that might be just it is like, if you can de develop a defensive scheme that confuses all NFL quarterbacks except for Zach Wilson, I think you take that one L a year because he is definitely the outlier in so many different ways. Dude, I don't know. I, I mean, I get it. Yes, I get it. But Zach Wilson, I just, yeah. Zach Wilson's career, he is the player version of Urban Meyer. Like, oh, Urban Meyer yeah. will always count the Buffalo Bills as one of his two victories in the NFL. A game that still to this day, no one can explain how the Bills lost back in 2021. And Zach Wilson's the same way. He's just got some weird wins on his on his record that no one is really going to be able to explain because the overall body of work has been severely lacking for that kid, unfortunately. So, yeah, yeah. But um, I do think it, I do think we can say goodbye to the Zach Wilson era officially in yeah. New York. I think while we may have reigned it, while we may have... um been a coronation ceremony for a lot of his early success. I also think now we have put the final nail in the coffin to his career with the Jets. I think that's absolutely true. I, I can't imagine that he comes back another season after this, um, especially now that they've made the move in, in New York to move to Tim Boyle. And, and here's hoping that Tim Boyle has an excellent year 
because we really need the Jets to beat the Dolphins twice and do, do so much more for us. Like, we need the Jets to get out there and, and just shit the rest of the season. They're likely going to just fade into an abysmal, sad, murky depth, but we can hope. Did you see Sauce Gardner's tweets at the end of this game? Oh, he was he was soft. They were Gardner. amazing. He was so upset. They, they were amazing. <laughs> that that yeah. dude. Um, I said it at the beginning of the season. I said it after week one in the face of a loss, and I will say it now. He might be the most overrated player in the league. Like he just grabs yeah. and holds every time down the field. He gives up on plays. That that dude to me is the most overrated player in the league. Well, he it's like when they gave him the defensive rookie of the year award they also handed him a stack of get out of flag free cards that he just cashes in for all the dpis because he just lets his whole game is like i'm gonna be tenacious and physical and like that's what the the analyst will say but anyone watching with their eyeballs is like oh you mean you're going to just basically tackle every wide receiver on every route at the top of the stem so they can't get into the, like break into their um actual spot and then you're going to cash that in for a pass breakup when they can't get there and like no flags are going to fly. Yeah, it was, he was really mad. I think that it was ex- exceptionally mad because the longest touchdown in the league uh, for the year to Khalil Shakur was on his coverage according to the stat book. And so now he has that hanging over him that they've only given up two, two touchdowns of wide receivers and both were on his coverage. Yep. And you can, uh, you can take that into the defensive player of the year voting if you want to sauce. I got one more aspect of this game I want to break down, and then I want to move on to the Eagles. It, Josh Allen is obviously, obviously, it goes without saying, so key, JJ, to so much of the success that this team has had, but also will hopefully have moving forward. So moving on from Dorsey, it wasn't just the overall scheme and play calling that people were, were looking to, to analyze here after this Jets game. It was, how did Josh Allen do? Did, would Josh would Josh play within structure? Would he throw up a couple of ugly looking picks? Would he look like he would he was having fun? All of these things were thoughts that were circulating amongst Bill's Mafia Twitter and Bill's Mafia social media as we we waited with anticipation to see what Josh Allen would look like in this new offense. And I think there was a lot to like. It looked, and this is going to sound. This is going to sound horrible, but it looked a lot like how it looked under Dayball in 2021, the season after Josh's, you know, coming out year where he just blew the doors off everyone in that COVID season. It was erratic at times. There were definitely some questionable decisions made. That Shakir throw was and was signature Josh Allen, where it makes you look on and wonder at how he did it. And then as you see it over and over on instant replay, it makes you wonder why he threw it, <laughs> right? It was into it, triple coverage. Exactly. It was on, the, a, on it, a rope out of freaking frozen rope. And it, it, so it was to me, it was a callback game, not because it was super efficient, not because it had a 158.3 passer rating, but because it looks like the Josh of old, all the good outweighing a lot of the erratic and a lot of the bad. But those scales finally being tipped more to the the alien freak type of Josh Allen that we have seen, as opposed to this kind of listless game manager that he looked like he has been for the majority of the season. So, JJ, what did you see from Josh? Well, 
I'd just like to take one tangent temporarily. I've heard this phrase, you know, podcasters and the Bills Beats will use it, uh, seen it on Twitter, of course. When people call a pass a piss missile, why? Just why? I think have that you, I, I have, I've never have pissed not a heard missile. That? Have you? No, no, no. no. Right. I, no. Yeah. You've heard the phrase, though. Yeah, I've yeah. heard the phrase. Okay. I don't understand where it comes from now, or why. Now you have or, me thinking about it. Go. I don't. Go for I want to know the you know the etymology of it. But um. But yeah. So so that was a clear piss missile throw from Josh Allen. And <laughs> and like you said, when you watch it, you watch it over and over. And you're like, oh my god. And you know, Sauce definitely had a chance. He had a stab at it. That could have been a, an INT. Um. But it worked out. That's the kind of thing that like we don't expect Josh Allen to be a one fifty eight point three perfect game manager with absolute efficiency, throwing nothing over 20 yards. And I think that what we do expect is for, you know, him to be this wild stallion who only gets a QB rating of 108, but, you know, has those plays where you're like, I don't know why he declined to throw the easy open Dalton Kincaid sitting alone in the zone and instead forces it to the boundary, you know, to a a, 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 a running back in stride. Like, but it worked out, right? Like, this is a thing, so... Um, I think that that's what you expect. And I think also one of the moments I've heard multiple people talk about it, definitely on, on X or Twitter or whatever, people were commenting on it. Um, he ran like 70 yards down the field to celebrate with Khalil Shakir, which you didn't see this year. Like there were times he was scoring, just handing the ball to the ref and like dapping up a couple of teammates as he ran to the sideline, completely listless. He even said on the sideline, he, you know, he's like, he said, I'm, you know, bleeping back. I think I'm bleeping back or whatever. And they tried to get uh, Stefan Diggs talking to the media today at, after practice, tried to get one of the reporters to say it. He's like, come on, say it. it no, I think you're misquoting him. What did he say? And the reporter's like, I'm not going to say it. And Stefan Diggs like, okay, well, yeah, no, I think he said he's back. And, and that's what we saw. So it's good to hear that from the players. It's good that it seemed like Joe Brady made football fun for him again. Because I think that Ken Dorsey all year, was like I am going to fix Josh Allen, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to put him in situations that he likes the the half field or full field reads, option routes where he can like vibe with his his wide receivers, and I think that wound him down actually because it was such a departure from previous years where it's like they made it simple for him and then he got to just kind of play football and if the read wasn't there he got to do some crazy shit. Yeah, man, I, you know, and it's. The advanced analytics nerds probably don't think there was much of an improvement for Josh Allen in that game. His time to throw was a little bit slower than I think everyone would want. But Josh, with his mobility and his ability to play outside of structure, he he can afford to do those things as long as he's clicking and making the right decisions. And for the majority of the game, he was making the right decisions. You know, his time to throw was 2.83 seconds, which isn't bad. It's still a little bit long, but not terrible. His aggressive his, his aggressiveness index was only 6.3%. He was throwing to wildly open receivers. So statistically, he was making the decision to check down for the most part to a lot of these open wide receivers. And his average, his average um yards at the point of catch was only 3.2 yards. So he was choosing to check it down where he needed to. But what we saw here, and I, I don't think you can call it decision, better decision-making from Josh necessarily, but he picked his spots a lot better. The, Shaki- the Khalil Shakir throw being a primary example of that. He was picking his spots a lot better to attack. 
And it was because the scheme that Brady was running set him up much better to take a lot of those chances. He was no longer throwing into the strength of a lot of these defenses. That Shakir throw, that was inside the hashes, if I, if I recall, or more towards the middle of the field, not against the boundary. So Josh making those adjustments and picking his spots to be aggressive in that way is a credit to Josh understanding the opportunities that the scheme um, allowed him, but also a credit to Brady for setting up Josh in that way as well. So I think, again, going to complementary football, I think the thing that we we ended the Dorsey era on was that it was uh, he's a pretty good offensive coordinator, not the right QB fit. And it felt like Brady understood the type of QB he was working with and looked to set up an offense that played to a lot of Josh's strengths. And I think he did that really well. Josh played within structure for a majority of the game, but when he took his shots for the first time this season, he made it count. Absolutely. And I think that the other piece of that that you saw is that he he had a few design runs, but he wasn't running all over the yard. And I think that that's the kind of change that we had hoped would happen this season, but still have the variance of taking those shots, throwing to the receivers that were available, you know, like doing the things that Dorsey was trying to force without completely erasing his opportunity to get out and mix it up a little bit. And he had that one uh, third down conversion he ran for. And he, he, he not only did he run for a third down conversion when there was no pass available. He slid after the yes. sticks. And it was just, I was like, wow, who's this guy? I don't know what this yeah. guy is. Yeah, it, it so was. that was really nice. Yeah, it was, it, it was, dude, it was a throwback Josh Allen game. Yeah. And again, I know 2020 is like his peak <clears throat> season. But to me, 2021 Josh Allen was, that's when I'm, That's where I like fell in love with the the gunslinger, Brett oh, Farvish yeah. type that this dude could be. And that's what this game felt like for the first time in a while. Agreed. And I think that you, you sort of throw out the 2020 Josh Allen. It was the COVID season. The stadiums were empty. There were so many other variables that changed the trajectory for so many players that year that you have to kind of put an asterisk on that one. And that was his first year of this kind of productivity, which means that the NFL defenses, you know, need that one year of tape in order to look at his tendencies, come up right. with solutions. And so I really think that the 2020 and beyond Josh Allen is the one that you should if you're going to look back at his career, you know, in hopefully 15 years, you could say, okay, that's the guy, you know, that we had. And 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 I'm fine with it. I think that, like I said, we saw some renewed juice, some some renewed uh, faith in his arm and kind of um, willingness to take some chances. But, um, you know, hopefully that carries forward. Do you I'm want to review our, forward. our predictions sure to go wrong? I do, yes. Because um, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm, I'm hazy. We both said this was going to be a low-scoring yeah. affair. Yeah. Um, and you, we were, you said 2014 right. bills, man, even though I've seen the game, I still feel good about that prediction. <laughs> like if we yeah. had to predict it again, I'd be like, yeah, that's where I'm at. 2014. Right. No. Um, you, we both had the jets over a half touchdown. So we thought they'd break their bad, their t- bad touchdown streak. And they mm-hmm. did. It was yep, their Zach only Wilson score of the it. game. And I think, it, I only think sp- it was, a, it was 11 quarters. I, I think I vacillated between 32 straight quarters, which would have effectively yeah. been their season. And um, it was 32 and like drives. Four. I think. Yeah, it yeah. was 32 drives and 11 quarters. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they, they finished that. And, you know, I don't think anyone really cares that the, the, it came against the Bills because it was the only thing that they scored the whole day. Um, you had Brees Hall over 22 and a half touches. I took the under and he ended up getting 15, 10 catches, five carries. Um, I, just, I had just, they got to use that kid more, man. I don't know what they're I doing. Know. Well, he's also not, I, I think, I think, I agree. I think he's a talent. 
But the last four or five weeks, and probably this comes down to the their poor offensive line and the injury, bad injury luck they've had on the offensive line, but he's averaging like less than two yards per carry over five weeks. So he's been, when he's had opportunities, he's not done well. Well, and over the last five weeks, he is um, he is in Zach Moss, Devin Singletary ter- territory, yes. where he is being contacted behind the line of yes. scrimmage at one of the <laughs> highest clips in the league. So yeah, I mean, I think the offensive Ooh. line is a problem. Yeah. But, Lowest I mean, yards before contact. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, and th- this is a little bit of a sidebar and a tangent. I just feel like the way modern NFL defenses are built and the roof with this too high shell that everybody seems to be playing to make this to make football ugly and unenjoyable and low scoring. I, there has to be a, a reconfiguring of how running backs are used, and it feels like the skill set that you would want in a running back to help alleviate some of the defensive pressure you're facing as an offense, it, it seems like Brees Hall is the total package. And I'm just confused by how Nate Hackett is deploying him in that offense. I'm not. I don't think Nate Hackett is good. Um, so, <laughs> and that's okay to say that because yeah. Tom Brady says the coaching is bad. So if we're agreeing with right. the GOAT, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So the uh, I had the Bills winning even in a lower scoring affair of 16-10. Because I think oh, both man. of us were afraid of, we were both afraid of betting on this offense, right? Like we were afraid of thinking no that the reason offense we could, could do anything against the Jets defense because the Jets had basically had their number for so many weeks or for so many matchups. Um, I had Dalton Kincaid over half touchdown. I think you were correct when you picked under because the Jets definitely schemed to try to remove him from um, availability. They did some things to squeeze the middle of the field where he liked to be. And especially they made an adjustment in the second half because he had like, what, six targets, five catches in the first half. Yeah. And I think like two or three targets and one catch in the second half. So they did a good job locking him down. But again, it opened up stuff for other guys. Yep. And Joe Brady was willing to use those things. (laughs) Um, Which is, yes, we just wasn't force feeding or target funneling one or two guys. You know, it's amazing. It's just this Buffalo Bills offense is so talented. And it's so deep and it's so healthy at this stage in the season. Like the only key piece we are missing is Dawson Knox from this unit. And it's just, I get it's a one game sample, but everything we saw Brady do is the stuff that we have been begging for out of this offense all season. And I just hope it continues. Me too. And so um, to continue our, uh, the last one we had was that we I thought that Von Miller would get a sack. You correctly predicted he was still not going to do anything. He's 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 so off. Like I get he's recovering, but even and I, I get pro- probably a lot of it is like his recovery, his rehab, um, probably his performance. But he's he's not the same sideline energy that he was last year when he was healthy. So and we saw this a little bit with Trey White coming back from from an ACL tear last season, where he just it didn't feel like Trey. Um, yeah. until this season where he had a full healthy off season, um, only unfortunately to end injury, but, but, um, Va- Vaughn feels like he's in that boat where he's still really physically limited. Yeah. I think that, you know, many people have rightly pointed to the fact that he should be giving up his snap share to AJ Epineza and Shaq Lawson. Yeah. Um, and that his present, his value on the team, even though he's got the highest, you know, salary of all of the defensive linemen his value right now is just as a locker room leader, you know, because right. he's not bringing it on the field snap by snap. And so 
we'll see how that goes. But uh, but that, those were our kind of predictions for this one. Let's uh, transition over to the Philadelphia Eagles, who will bring the juice. They absolutely will. Where do you want to start? The, I, I, where do you want to start? Offense, defense? Because I'll tell you, in both regards, these teams statistically, JJ, are remarkably similar, even though their records couldn't be further apart. Let's start with the uh, the Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles offense versus the Bills defense. All right, I like and, that. And I think that what we're going to see this week is certainly something we haven't seen for the past few weeks, which is an offense that comes in with a lot of threats uh, in offensive talent. I think that for you know um, the Broncos game, the Jets game, it really was, okay, they've got these two ways to hurt you. If you shut those down as a defense, you, you've pretty much got them figured out. The Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts will run. DeAndre Swift is an amazing back. A.J. Brown has had a, a career resurgence. Devonta Smith is, is lightning in the, in the slot. And then they've got a, you know the, the corpse of Julio Jones who occasionally appears for a possession catch in front of the sticks. Um, they're missing one of their key pieces, Dallas Goddard. And I, I, Goddard, and I don't know that he's going to be back for this one. Um, it doesn't so, look like he is. Yeah. So that's the only part of their very talented offense that got them all the way to the uh, Super Bowl last year that they're really missing. Um, and they're, uh, they have one of their tackles is on, is on IR, Roderick Johnson. So they're kind of, you know, they're, they're also pretty healthy as a team. Um, and uh, they're able to bring it. The, anybody who watched the Chiefs-Eagles Monday night game a couple nights ago will tell you that they did not look like they were operating at peak efficiency. The Chiefs defense is a very, very good defense this year. Strange for me to, it feels weird to say that, but they're really, really good. They're, um, they're playing yeah. really good. Yeah. And so some of that has to be taken into account. Um, but the the offense still also for, for the Eagles didn't seem to be operating at peak efficiency. And and hopefully they they continue to have some like spurts and stutters um, against the Bills defense because the Bills defense will need it. I think that when the strength of this team is Jalen Hurts' second reaction plays after pressure um, to A.J. Brown, De- Devonta Smith, I think that, or DeAndre Swift underneath, like that's the part that uh, that I think you have to worry about a little bit um, with the Bills defense because they do have a component in their offensive attack that can hit the Bills right where they hurt, which is, um, you know, some of the speed underneath, some of the speed across the center, and the Bills kind of slow aging or... Um, injury depleted secondary. What are your thoughts on general ways that they might attack? I agree. I think the Eagles have been, I think by their standard, a frustrated offense this year. They're still top 10 in rushing yards per game, passing yards per game. They've regressed a little bit, but Jalen Hurts is getting the, the 2021 Josh Allen treatment where he had that baller of a season last year gets his money, deservedly so, and gets his contract after taking that team to the Super Bowl, has the most prolific offensive performance for a quarterback in a losing Super Bowl effort in history. So teams are like, you know what? Maybe we don't want to let Jalen Hurts bomb it deep to Smith and Brown all the time. So teams have absolutely put that two, that cover two shell roof um, on this Philly offense at, when they are opposing them. And what it's led Philly to do is really become a volume rushing offense. And they haven't been able to take their shots downfield at the clip or the success rate that they could last year. 
JJ, from an EPA standpoint, the Buffalo Bills are actually rated a smidge higher in the in the rushing department than the Philadelphia Eagles are, which is something for a team that's known as a rushing unit. Now, listen, it's three and four respectively in the league ranks. So these are this is still an elite rushing unit, but they're doing a lot more of it with volume this season. Hertz is also battling some lower body injuries that keep popping up every now and then uh, throughout the course of the season. So I think this Philadelphia Eagles offense is dying to attack this Buffalo Bills defense downfield. We have said it time and time again. Opposing teams are attacking our injury replacements. They're attacking Dane Jackson. They're attacking Terrell Dodson in the passing game. And I don't think this game is going to be any different. I think in point of fact, the Eagles are probably going to throw to the opposite side of the field that Razul Douglas is on because of the game that he had against the Jets. As a result of that, whoever the DB is that has partnered up with him on the outside is going to have their hands full. I think the Eagles are going to attack aggressively against this Bills defense and early and often because unlike the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, while they have a defense that is vulnerable, that is a defense that can close the game. So Philly's going to want to get out to a quick lead and they're going to want to uh, let their defense close things out like they did against Kansas City. So I think absolutely the deepest parts of the field that you can imagine are where the Bills are going to be most vulnerable. And I think this game too, because of the strength of the interior offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles and the light boxes that the Bills are forced to play with, it I think is going to be subject to the rushing game. I could see a lot of I could see a lot of play action, deep shots downfield that are set up by a really effective rushing game for the Eagles. And that all worries me. I think the, the other thing, if you need to know anything about how good the interior of that offensive line is for the Eagles, it they're like 32-0 and 0 when they do the tush-push in, in third and one or less situations or fourth and one or less situations. It's, it's kind of insane. They did it multiple times against the Chiefs. And even with Chris Jones anchoring the nose in those situations with help on their side of him, they couldn't do anything. Jason Kelsey... And those boys in, in the middle are were just getting it done. And that um it's Landon Dickerson and Cam Jurgens, who are both kind of top top tier guards. And so Amazing their middle guards, three, yeah. yeah, their middle three are just absolutely tops in the league. Um, probably up there with uh Chiefs and Cowboys as the top top offensive lines in the interior in the league. Absolutely. They can be had on the edges, and that I think is something that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for me because I think that, you know, they're probably scheming some things to try to slow down Leonard Floyd. They're probably going to shift protection towards him, which will bring me to a prop later. But um, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Bills attack them around the edges because you can't you can't do an inside move on those tackles to try to get to Jalen Hurts because he is so lethal, like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, if you give him an outside to escape to. If he gets out into the into the wings, um, he will kill you downfield. And so it's going to be really interesting. I think I agree with you. I think that they're going to, the Eagles' path to victory will be get on the scoreboard early, establish their run, and then play action off of it because that's been their game script for their nine their nine wins. And and they're already they're also uh undefeated at home. And so that's something that brings you a little bit of, you know, it gives me a little bit of apprehension about this one too. Yeah, and this is, the Bills are, I mean, the Bills really, really are in must-win territory. Like, if they drop this game, they go into the bye, they come back against the Chiefs, 
They've got still have an opportunity to make the playoffs, but man, heading into the bye seven and five as opposed to six and six would be pretty amazing for this group. Um, especially if the Jets can can do anything against the Miami Dolphins. But, you know, it, it's interesting you bring up um Hertz coming down, being sacked. He's been sacked 27 times this year. Um there is a vulnerability on the edges. But because the Buffalo Bills have been so effective at establishing the edge, I wonder if this is one of those games, because also we're, we're going to see a lot of funky runs as well. I wonder if this is one of those games where you see Mick D uh, decide that he's going to play an odd front or he's going to flip Rousseau inside to give him a little bit of extra juice in the run stopping game as well. The versatility of Greg Rousseau and the speed of Dorian Williams, to me, are two key factors in this game. Because I don't know that Buffalo can successfully guard the middle of the field with Tyrell Dodson. For as good as, good as he was in that Jets game and the improvements that he is making, speed be, the speed of this, this Philadelphia unit being what it is, and I include Jalen Hurts in that as well, it, you're going to need some counters to that. And you're going to need to get your NASCAR package out on the field. So I wonder if we're going to see Rousseau flipped inside more. And I wonder if we're going to see a few odd fronts that allows Dorian Williams to come up and play outside linebacker. I think that's a good point. I think that's a, a way that you can kind of angle things. And, and just to add a note on my comment about being afraid to take on the Eagles at home, um, they've scored over 30 points in every contest at home this year, except for one in against the, the Cowboys, which was a win where they scored 28. So it's, also the kind of thing where they, they get their juice in, in Lincoln Financial Field and um, the Bills are have a hard time in on that road environment because it's, you know, the Bills Mafia at in Orchard Park has been re- referred to as one of the hardest places to play because the fan base is so, fan base is so like passionate. Um, but Philadelphia has been re- referred to as one of the hardest places to play because the fan base is dangerous. So I know, right? Like, watch out if you're you know, Santa Claus. Seriously, yeah. in, in Orchard Park, you'll get booed, and like the 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 energy is electric for the home team. But in in Philly, you'll get hit with a battery. So we'll see what this <laughs> what this game shows. But I agree. I think there's some places that the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be trying to take advantage of some weaknesses, trying to take advantage certainly of some absences. If Dane Jackson and um, was it Micah Hyde who went out as well? If they're not back for this one, I think that that's, you know, very worrying. And they might not be. They're both in concussion protocol. Um, Teron Johnson, also out right now, I believe. So it was that's, Ter- that's Teron the, Johnson. That's and, the one. Yeah, that's right. That That's the one. That's like the last domino. Yeah. If that one falls, I mean, this Buffalo Bills defense, I think, is pretty cooked for the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, and yeah, of course. And I, th- I think that also the um, uh, the Eagles, you know, on on offense are going to they're going to try to play their game and if the bills show weakness it's it's going to be a long day i think it's going to be a long Um, do you want to flip over to the offense i do because i think this game has shootout potential i really do um i i mean i think this game has the potential to be very high scoring because a lot of the vulnerabilities we've talked about with the bills I mean, I think are mirrored by the Philadelphia Eagles as well. So let's 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 get into that. Um, to me, JJ, this this matchup starts against that Philly defensive line 
particularly that interior defensive line uh, led by one Jalen Carter, who almost intercepted a spike from Patrick Mahomes in that Monday night game. That was so brilliant. I'm I'm like, why has nobody done this in the NFL? Like, oh my gosh. Seriously. Seriously. It really was. You're going to see more guys, I think, try that Um, and get collapsed on by 340 pound NFL centers. But and who care? And who if you can survive the contact, why not? Like you've literally just try because. Any time where an opposing team is spiking the ball like that, it is a desperation mode. You're sealing the game for your team and putting an interception on your stat sheet as a nose tackle. Like, oh my yeah. God. I know. The who benefits would, who wouldn't just far outweigh the all. dangers. Risk it all for it, folks. Risk it all for it. But um, no, I yeah, I, I think it starts there. And you mentioned the struggles that Osiris Torrance has had in pass protection. I think he's going to be highly tested. We've also seen Spencer Brown, for as much as he has improved this season, the Bills have prioritized giving him help against elite edge rushers. We saw it with Max Crosby um, in the Raiders game, where you leave in a Latavius Murray to chip or a Dawson Knox to chip before they leak out for their route. I don't know with how dynamic this defensive line is that Buffalo is going to be afforded that opportunity to chip a lot of these elite edge rushers and help Spencer Brown in the way that he has received help earlier on in the season. This feels like a game, JJ, that's going to be won and lost on the right side of our line. I I agree. And I think that, you know, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles lineup, you know, the defensive line, like you mentioned, Jalen Carter, who's a, he's a rookie, right? Out of Jordan. Yeah. He's a rook. Um, yeah. This year. Yeah. Um, who I actually, you know, he's been surprisingly productive in the NFL. I remember during the draft being like, this guy is going to be a, he's, he's a clear, you know, Marcel Darius to me, somebody who like struggles with his weight, like doesn't always seem to give the effort. Um, but he's shown up for the, you know, they're, they're unlocking him in Philly. He he's seems to be showing up for it. So he's yeah. unbelievable. So yeah. <laughs> good on them. And I'm stu- And yet again, I'm stupid with a draft take, but, um, <laughs> this, the, this is uh, why we pod and we're not GMs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're they're front. Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox. The, I think that the thing about uh, Philly that if I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I'm worried about a little bit is that they have a similar problem to the Buffalo Bills, which is they have a very aging defense, and they're kind of injecting draft picks. They they draft highly on defensive linemen, but the they just recently had multiple you know uh, f- free agent caliber players who who achieve free agency after their first contracts leave. Um, after the Super Bowl run, which always happens. You always lose talent after you get to the big game because other teams are like, well, I want that. That's a champion. Um, and so that that happened, but they um, they double down, they they draft highly, and they they try to, to rejuvenate with some some young talent. But I, I do see some aging players like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, you know, some of them who, who were there when, when Sean McDermott was there as a DC. So there's some players that, you know, certainly – are long in the tooth, but they still bring in. And you know, I worry so much about Hassan Reddick against Spencer Brown and Os- and Osiris Torrance on that right side. Um, I worry about Kevin Byard because when he was with the Titans, he you know I think he got a couple off of Josh Allen, so um, he tends to have pretty good games against against seventeen. So there's some players on that defense that that worry me, but I don't think I think to your point earlier. They're not the same like hyper elite unit that they were when they went to the Super Bowl, um, because again they they lost some talent. They're actually their defensive rankings um, in EPA per play and, and different metrics are about average. They're right kind of in the middle of the, the league 
on defense. Um, one thing that's worth noting is they're uh, they're giving up the fourth um, worst, fifth worst third down conversion percentage on the season, which I found interesting. Two yeah. opponents. Yeah, they're and I think back to week one, the game they had against the Patriots, and McCorkle kind of found his stride in the second half of that game. And it was a game that, honestly, the Patriots should have won. But they did it by exploiting the middle of the field, which is where I think this defense has been hollowed out a little bit via attrition and injury. So, I mean, this is a, a group that lost, I think, N'Kobe Dean, who was one of their um, originally originally intended starting middle linebackers. Um, you, you mentioned the Kevin Baird trade. Um, that's because they lost Justin Evans, one of their safeties, earlier on in the season as well. Um, so this is a team that, while not as injury bit as the Bills, has suffered some injuries that have made it vulnerable in areas of the field where they were not last year. The The defensive line still gets after it. I think this is still a top seven unit in total sacks this season. Um, and the the corners, Slay and Bradbury, the, those are still, that's still one of the best, even though aging, one of the best cornerback duos in the league. But it's the middle of the field that teams have really been going after to sustain drives. And you see that time and time again. You mentioned that third down conversion rate for this defense allowed. It, I'll bet you, if you were to look at a lot of the the success charts against the Philadelphia Eagles, you're going to see a red hot zone right in the middle of the field where this team has really struggled to defend. So if the Bills can keep a lot of this interior pressure off of Josh and give him a relatively clean pocket up the middle, I think you can see a really big Dalton Kincaid game. Because I don't know that they've necessarily got a counter in that linebacker room or in the safety room for a guy like Dalton Kincaid. And who's their who's their nickel corner? It's Nikal Roby, right? I um, want to say it's Roby. So they ex- yeah, so Bradley Roby's on their team. It's oh Nick, Bradley Roby, yeah, it's Bradley. I, I'm, I'm, so I'm thinking of the old, yeah. I'm thinking of the old Buffalo Bill, yeah, the old Nickel Roby Coleman who um, yeah won a game on a defensive penalty for the Saints, <laughs> right, um, or against the Saints. No, that's Darius Slay and uh, and James Bradbury on the outside, and then they have um, Josh Joby and Bradley Roby who will come in and play in the nickel, and that's actually a place that they um, they're a little bit. Um, they're a little bit, you know, uh, susceptible in that nickel. So whether it's Khalil Shakur or Stefan Diggs getting snaps in the inside, I think you could see some nice productivity. Or or it's, you know, like you said, Dalton Kincaid um, or Dalton Kincatch, as he's been named on Twitter, um, oh, getting Jesus, some, Twitter. some play That's, in the middle the of the field. you got? I know. Swole, Be- I know, Swole right? Beasley is so much better. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, so I think there's some opportunities. I think that actually the thing that I saw – um, change, you know, kind of changing the, the narrative a little bit here. The thing that I saw that could help out is the uh, Chiefs, who admittedly have a better offensive line than the Bills, but the Chiefs were able to run some zone to the edges and off-tackle plays, a little bit of power um, against the the uh, the strength of the defense for the, the Eagles to some effect. And that was with Isaiah Pacheco, who I think is a little bit more, he's a little bit stronger of a runner. Than James Cook, but he's definitely not faster. And so I see some opportunities there um, with motion, with maybe some counterplay, um, and definitely getting the tackle wrap going. Because again, I do not think there's a single tackle in the NFL who is a better pulling talent than Deion Dawkins, who was just absolutely. Did you see him when he uh, 
belly flopped onto Justin Clemens. Ted. I thought it was amazing. Or Michael Clemens. Oh my God. Well, it, like the fact that he threw his arms out to the side, like an airplane and like that whole play from top to bottom was like peak Deion Dawkins, the showman, right? Like he belly flops onto Michael Clemens. Michael Clemens takes umbrage with this. Michael Clemens tries to pick a fight with him. Deion Dawkins then has one of the best, like, you know, European league soccer flops I've ever seen for the refs. Uh, doesn't get a flag on it and then stands up and starts mocking their sideline. It's just, it was, it was lovely. That's the kind of juice that I feel like we've been missing too, is like the bills playing with this kind of jerk attitude. Um, and so, but I do think that was right. That was on a tackle rap play. He just absolutely demolished an entire side of the line to spring James cook. Um, or it might've been Latavius Murray. I'm not sure who, but it's, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think that bills could not only take advantage of hitting the middle of the the field on some of those zone read plays um, to you know, Diggs, Kincaid, maybe Shakir, but also doing some things in the run game. Because I think that we know, you know, after seeing the, the Brady led bills, he's going to lean towards the, the running attack. And I think that it, he was also not willing to abandon it, even though they had some plays blown up. I think that was really nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of ways you can attack this Philly defense. One of the things that we know about them, and this really does feel like uh, it's interesting because they, we just said the Chiefs have maybe the best defense they've had of the Mahomes era right now. But previous iterations of that Chiefs defense were not, were not good game to game, but they could put up a great individual game when they needed to. And I think this is a supremely talented defense on the outside and in the trenches. But you've seen this defense have to be more multiple in the looks that they're giving opposing QBs. And man, that that Monday night game against Kansas City was a perfect example of it. They ran a ton of odd fronts. They were dropping eight guys into coverage at one point, um, bringing blitzes on others. And you remember that Super Bowl they played um, last year against the Chiefs where Vic Fangio was the the consultant for two weeks helping to build that defense that was going to shut down Pat Mahomes. And you and I kept saying it throughout the course of that game. If this Eagles defense doesn't play more man and they let Mahomes continue to eat underneath, they're going to lose that game. And sure enough that they did. Flash forward to this season, some coaching changes happen. Some coaching changes happen on the defensive side of the ball. You now have a unit that is way more multiple than it was last year. So while a lot of the advanced metrics are not yet behind the elite level, um, are still play- pacing behind the elite level that this team played at last year. This, this is a unit with the talent to put together some really special games from week to week if they need to. So I think it's going to be incumbent on the Bills to exploit a lot of their strengths that we've mentioned already. But also, I mean, do what Brady did against the Jets, which is figure out where this defense is weak and vulnerable and just pound that weakness and force force them to make an adjustment. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, what we see is even with this amazing defensive front, the uh, the Eagles are still, you know, they have 31 sacks on the season, um, which is, you know, above middle of the, the pack. So you'd expect them to have more, though. I don't know about you, but I was just like, with the defensive front they have, I would always expect them to have, you know, be in the top five with the Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, Commanders, et cetera. Yeah, oh, I mean, they—they they, last year they were on that record-setting pace last season, 
um, for, for sacks, a lot of it, and th this is no, this is no shade at what that unit did last year, but a lot of that was coverage sacks. Like they were elite in the secondary. Um, they had not just Slay and not just, um, Bradbury, but they had a great safety duo back there. Their middle linebacking core was absolutely insane. And what happens when you have a QB on a rookie contract, which is what we talked about when we previewed that Super Bowl game, is that you can afford to pay a lot of these veterans elite money to come in and be mercenaries for one year. And that's exactly what this defense was built on last season. Here we are this season and the unit is still good, but definitely not to the success rate that it was last season because it's been so hollowed out in a lot of key positions. They've done a great job scheming for it. And again, it's a unit that can be dangerous um, game in and game out, but it's also a unit that can be had in more ways, I think, than last season. I mean, JJ, overall, EPA per play, this defense is 18th in the league. Um, by comparison, the Buffalo, the injury-depleted Buffalo Bills are still sitting at around 12th in EPA per league. Now, they're still posting a negative EPA, which is what you want your defense to do, but they are in the lower half of the um, defensive success rate for all NFL teams this season. This is not the same defensive unit that they were rolling out last year. Yes, they can be dangerous in some places. Yes, they can be multiple, but there are counters to this team that did not exist last year because unlike the New York Jets who we just talked about, they don't have that same level of great individual talent. So they're scheming to hide their weaknesses more. And I think a smart play caller on the offensive side of the ball can really exploit it. I don't think this team, JJ, because of the lack of speed in the middle of the field, would have an answer for the Josh Allen scripted run. I don't. So if you can break right. out Josh a little bit in some of the in some of those key situations, if you can establish some crack toss outside zone games to slow down some of these edge rushers as well, I think you got a really, really good shot at beating this team effectively at its own game, which is running the ball to set stuff up down the field. Because you know they're going to come out, they're, regardless of how multiple they want to be, they're still going to disguise coverage pre-snap and more than likely play cover two high shell post-snap to try to confuse Josh. The run game and the crack toss game is a great way to beat a lot of that. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we'll we'll see some things. We'll we'll what I'm most excited for is that this is an opportunity for um Joe Brady to declare to the NFL what he's capable of versus a complete team, right? Like the Jets Everybody can put an asterisk on that win because it's like, well, you didn't have to worry about their offense. You could just play your game and you knew that they were never going to like get, you know, get five touchdowns. Like you could just kind of slow play it, do what you got to do. And I think the Bills still had a had a commanding all three phase victory. I think that's excellent. Um, but this is a, the first of two real tests that Joe Brady's going to take. And how the Bills offense looks is going to be a referendum on whether or not he should have a job at the end of the season to continue as the offensive coordinator. And so I think that that's an opportunity and, and we'll have to see how it goes. I think we've kind of laid out a, a blueprint for what we think the Bills can do to attack this defense. Um, but again, it's a multiple front. They have to protect Josh Allen because I think that's what can derail this entire thing. And Josh Allen has to protect the ball. Um, do you want to, how do you feel about this game? Do you, you want to get in some predictions? I do. Yeah, I do. And I want, I want to start with score because we always start with score. But I think unlike a lot of other games we've seen this season, it, this one has a, has the potential. Th this to me is an early game of, or not early, but this is a game of the year candidate. 
where I think you've got defenses with similar vulner vulnerabilities against some really high-powered offensive offensive that have not hit their stride yet, I think you could see some really special stuff happen. So, JJ, I'm going, because of hope against hope, I am picking the Bills to win this game. I'm hoping there's a little bit of a letdown after that Super Bowl matchup. It's a little bit of a short week for Philly. I get that it's uh, home and home for them. Um, but all that being said, I'm going to take the Bills here, 33-30 to 30 over the Philadelphia Eagles. You and I just, you and the I mute, love, you and the mute button are just no, battling. I'm, I'm bad with it. I'm bad with mutes. Yeah, I, I should stop muting myself because I start to respond and then I'm muted. Um, so you have thir thirty three to thirty bills, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. That's wild. That's where I'm. So at. I have the same exact span, except slightly. I had thirty four, thirty one bills. So oh, nice. I had exactly okay. the same victory margin, um, with a slightly, you know, one point scored by each team more. So, mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting. I like it. Um, I think it's going to be a cardiac contest too. I think get your AEDs, your AED paddles ready because this is oh, yeah. uh, going to be, you know, one of those games that nobody feels comfortable in at any point in time, and so. I hope that we see, you know, wild, crazy Stanley and Josh Allen um, having a blast. I also hope that we see uh, a, you know, the first clean game by Josh Allen uh, since the Dolphins game. And so that's that's my dream, right? Like that he comes out. So one of my props, again, my score prediction, Bills win 34-31 um, in a cardiac contest. Josh Allen 0.5 turnovers. I'm hitting the under. What about you? I am definitely taking the over. I mean, look at the look at the interception that he threw I know. against the Jets. It was it was hail mary, and it was he's just a strategic the, interception, right? It was an arm punt. I mean, it was like I, he's going to throw those up, and I'm fine with that type of interception. I'm not fine with like the backbreakers on the first play of the game. And I listen. We just got to accept that. It is built into guys like Josh and it's built into guys like Dak Prescott and it's built into guys like Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, is a great player, but he's only two interceptions behind Josh Allen for the league lead. I think the way defenses, and this is going to be a larger conversation, I think, in the offseason, the way defenses are playing a lot of these elite QBs makes them play perfect ball and there's not a single perfect QB out there. So I think it's reasonable to expect some of these more elite guys are going to have more turnovers. Just don't make it the dumb backbreaking stuff that we have seen. Give me more arm punts and Hail Mary picks any day of the week. But no, I think Josh has that propensity, like Mahomes, like Prescott. And I think he's going to throw one this game because it's a really talented cornerback uh, duo that we've got going. So, yeah. But it, it's a cornerback duo that's talented. However, it is a team that is middle of the league in turnover takeaway margin. They they're sixteenth, like they are dead middle. They're not really taking it away at a greater clip than they're they're turning it over. Um, and, and so, their differentials minus yeah. one. So yes. this is an offense that yeah. also gives it away, and yes. a defense that struggles yep. to take it away. Yeah, <laughs> but he's still so we'll throw. see. <laughs> All right, fair, fair. Um, and my my stat was over under point five turnover. So like. Not just interception could be a fumble. Like I still think he's under. I think he plays a clean. I'm hopeful. I'm taking. Um, I'm taking what about the over? But I love what, it. The what hopium. Do you have? Hopium. Let's see. The hopium. Hitting the hitting the hopium pipe here. Um, I am going to go. I'm going to ride the hot hand with Khalil Shakir. Um, Khalil Shakir 
large, uh, longest reception over under 19 and a half yards. So will Shakir oh. have a, at least a one twenty yard reception in this game. Okay. And I'm going to take the um, over. Nice. I think, yes. Yeah. For the reasons that you mentioned, I think it's a yeah. weak nickel. It's a weak nickel cornerback room for this, uh, this Philadelphia defense. And I think Shakir is going to, going to make some hay in between the hashes on the scene. I'm actually taking the over too because I actually think that um, that's an easy over for me because I think that I would take that bet almost every time that he gets more than five catches, not because the air yards is going to be 19 or 0.5 or greater, but because he can turn a seven or eight yard reception into a 25 yard gain. He tends to have He's a really fast. good sense of where bodies are around him and how to get to space. And so as you saw in the touchdown, I mean, um, you know, Dalton Kincaid's dude block aside, um, that was, you know, an, an excellent kind of field view and, and feel of where, where he needed to get to, to, to find open space. So I like that one. I'm smashing the over two. I've got, you know, staying on the wide receiver thing. I think that this is a, a game where Diggs gets back on the scoreboard because I do think that they have good outside corners, but they don't have super elite outside corners. And so I think that their, their strength is that everybody on that defense in the secondary, except for nickel corner and, um, except for inside linebacker is above average, including the replacements who are playing at safety. Um, I think everyone's above average starter in the NFL, but I don't think that they're like shut down lockdown players. And so I see Diggs getting a tutty. How about you? Um, Yeah, I could go with that. I'm going to take the over as well. I agree. This is a great coverage duo that is not necessarily shut down. They can be had in certain areas. And I think if the offensive line can do its job and give Josh a little bit of time, or if Josh can buy some time with his legs. I mean, him and Diggs are just lethal in the improvisational passing game. And I could really see technicians like Slay and Bradbury really succumb to a lot of that improbability that those two have. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over and listen, I think from a team chemistry standpoint, Diggs, I think is an underrated emotional leader on that unit. But you also don't want to keep him out of the game plan multiple weeks in a row. You're going to need him down the stretch when it counts. You're going to want to continue to get him some quality reps and not just run him out there as a decoy. So, yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. I got one more. Yep. I got one more if you're you're into it. Um, I'm into it. Jalen Hurts, over under, half a turnover. So he has actually done a really good job since that Jets game of taking care of the ball. That Jets game where he threw three interceptions. Uh, he has only thrown turned the ball over once since that that Jets game. Um, that being said, though, he is a QB who likes to take shots, likes to take chances. And we have seen this Buffalo Bills defense in recent weeks against the Bronco or against the Broncos and against the Jets um turnover and opposing offense. So over under half a turnover for Jalen Hurts. Sounds like you're going over. Are you going over? I'm going. I'm going. I I want to know what you want to do because I actually have not decided. I wrote this. <laughs> You're going to bet this off prop, with me. Yeah. I wrote this yeah. prop down and then I uh -huh. didn't write a response because I'm like, yeah, I don't know. They'd be stupid to so, throw to Douglas, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I'm actually I'm actually going over. I think he gets a turnover, but I don't think it's coming the way that you think it is. I've actually seen the the thing that he that I saw in the Chiefs game that I saw as a vulnerability of Jalen Hurts game is he does not take care of the ball when he's running around in the backfield. And I think that True. this, the defensive players, especially the edge rushers, specifically Shaq Lawson, AJ Epineza and Leonard Floyd 
they all have a, a natural sense to swat at the ball if they're not going to get there for the sack. So I think there's a chance that they get one on the ground that way. And so I'm going to take the over. I don't think he throws an interception, but I think he does have, he lo- loses a fumble. I'm going to take the over too. I just, th- I just think there is, just I think there is, I did, I did. I literally just decided. I think there is pent up frustration for both of these, these QBs who are elite, who have been shackled and reined in by a lot of the defensive, the defenses they have seen. I think both of these defenses are going to provide some real temptation for these QBs to lean into some of their most problematic, but exciting tendencies. And I think, uh, listen, man, I could easily see a, a two turnover game from both Hertz and Allen yeah. in this, right? So, I mean, Possible. I think they're going to want to sling it. So, yeah, I'm going to take the over to Um, And then I have I have one last one. Just, again, this is my just me. Hope prop. Uh, Greg Rousseau, half sack, over under. He's I know he's hurt, but he's been playing so damn well. It, it depends. It really does and, depend. And to, to it, your point before, this is a chance for Mick D to play some different fronts, and Greg Rousseau rushing from the inside is pretty lethal. He is, and he would provide some real problems for what we have established as an elite interior offensive line. I'm still gonna take I'm still gonna take the under though. Rousseau, Miller, they don't seem right, even though Rousseau is playing with a lot more pop right now. Um it, this this doesn't feel like th- this feels like th- this feels like a, a weird in a weird way an AJ Epineza like domination game for some reason. I don't know why. I love it. Th- these are just the, I like these it. are just the games that AJ Epineza tends to come in and dominate. Let's see it. I want to see it. That's that's exciting for me. I think that for me, um, I know that the the season sort of hangs in the balance with this one, uh, as it does every game for the rest of the season. But I think that, you know, the monkey off the back of the Joe Brady game against the Jets, the win against the Jets, I think most of Bill's Mafia is going to this game way less, you know, apprehensive than we have for a number of weeks. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling kind of loose and, and ready to see them play this this elite challenging team. Yeah, me too. I, I think the offense is going to have a good week, not just because of the things that Brady is, seems committed to doing, but because, again, I agree with you. I think this team realizes that that they have hit rock bottom and there is a little bit more playing with house money at this point than I think we saw earlier on in the season. So the expectations have definitely shifted, and I think this is a lighter team as a result of it. Um, so, yeah. JJ, as we sit here in pod pre-Thanksgiving, uh, I want to wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving here. Um, it's been great to pod with you up until this point, and I am thankful for you tolerating all of my uh, predictions sure to go wrong. I don't know anyone else in this world that yeah. would be able to put up with it. I, You know, it's it's a Herculean effort, but I do my best. And, and, and to you and yours as well, and to everybody listening, you know, uh, I hope you're fat and happy tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. And... Uh, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a good time this weekend. I'm hoping we're, we're all going to, you know, have a nice Turkey day. We're going to watch the dolphins lose on Friday, and then we're going to go into our weekend and, and be ready for a go bills moment. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. So for all of you listening at home, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, feel free to drop us a review, refer us to a friend. And as always go bills. Gobble, gobble, go bills. Go bills.